A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. After John had been arrested, Jesus went into Galilee. There he proclaimed the good news from God. The time has come, he said, and the kingdom of God is close at hand. Repent and believe the good news. As he was walking along by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net in the lake, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you into fishers of men. And at once they left their nets and followed him. Going on a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They too were in their boat, mending their nets. He called them at once, and leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the men he employed, they went after him. The Gospel of the Lord. On this third Sunday of Ordinary Time, the Church gives us for our meditation the calling of the Apostles. And whenever we read the Scriptures, we need to look beyond the, the literal meaning of the word. We need to delve into the mystical meaning and in particular apply it to our own selves. For in calling the four apostles, as we heard this morning, the Lord is calling each and every one of us, each one according to his ability, according to disposition. Everyone is called according to grace. When we read the Gospels, the four Gospels, we find what appears to be discrepancies. But in fact, since it is the Holy Spirit who is speaking to us in the Scriptures, there cannot be any contradiction or any um, serious discrepancy. So we're told after John had been arrested, Jesus went into Galilee. And then we're told that he called the apostles as we heard. But then if we read St. John's Gospel, we find that the Lord is walking along the River Jordan and John is baptizing. John says, Behold the Lamb of God. And two of his disciples followed him. One of them was Andrew. And the next day, Andrew found Peter and brought Peter to the Lord. And the Lord said, You will be called Cephas. Is there a contradiction? No. Again, we need to put everything in context. So it would seem, or at least one possible solution is, John was baptizing at the Jordan. Our Lord came to be baptized. John proclaimed him, Behold, the Lamb of God, Andrew followed. He introduces Peter. Andrew and Peter were both disciples of John, and so they continued to follow John. Our Lord goes off into the wilderness. We certainly know that after, after his, his baptism, he was sent, driven by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted, and then he came back, probably going back to Nazareth. There, he, in Cana, his first miracle occurs. And again, those same disciples of John were also following him. 
John was still preaching. This is the important thing. John was still continuing his ministry. John is the end of the Old Testament. John is the fulfillment of the law. John is the end of the Mosaic disposition. John is the, as our Lord himself, of those born of women, a greater than John has not been seen. Because all of those before John were talking about Christ who was to come. John appears and says, behold the Lamb of God. And this is the end. Now the kingdom of God is about to begin. And so our Lord does not begin to preach while John is still preaching. Lest there be competition. We know there was competition because the <coughs> disciples of John said, the man you baptize and bore witness to, he is downriver and more people are going to him. And, our Lord, and John said, the bride is for the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom rejoices at the voice of the bridegroom. He must increase and I decrease. And of course this applies to all of us. In all things, we must decrease so that Christ might increase in us. And so our Lord did not preach while John was preaching. It is only when the voice of one crying in the wilderness is silenced, is when John is arrested that our Lord begins his ministry. So we are told by St. Mark, who abbreviates much of the, 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 the history, the life of our Lord, after John had been arrested, Jesus went into Galilee. And so he goes to, um, to find those who are to be the foundation of the church which he is to establish. And we're told he begins to proclaim the good news from God. And what is the good news? It is, in fact, not, nothing other that God desires the salvation of all. God so loved the world that he sent his only son, that God wants each and every one of us to take our own place with him in the kingdom, that God does not desire to destroy us, still less to punish us, but God wishes to save us. He will not do it without our cooperation. And so the Lord begins, the time has come. The fullness of time has arrived and the kingdom of God is close at hand. So this new, or rather the eternal kingdom is about to break into our finite world. And what must we do to become members of this kingdom? Repent and believe the good news. This is all we need to do, to repent. And what is this repentance? It's nothing other than sorrow for our shortcomings, nothing other than grief at our failings and our sins, nothing other than deep distress that we have not been as faithful as we might have been. And as we heard in the first reading, the, Lord, the word of the Lord was addressed to the prophet Jonah a second time. Up, go to Nineveh and preach to them, as I told you. And Jonah went with, uh, with bad news. Forty more days and the city is going to be destroyed. Look at the difference. Bad news. And immediately we're told when the people heard it, they believed. So there's faith, they believed, and then they repented. They proclaimed the fast and they put on sackcloth the greatest of the least. So there is repentance, there's faith, there's believing in what God has said. And we're told God saw their efforts to renounce their evil behavior. He saw the efforts, and that's all God wants of us, the effort. We will not always succeed, but we can make the effort 
And when we fail, we need to start again. And when we fall, we need to rise. What God is looking for is the effort, the disposition, the desire to repent and to live according to his law. Not that he benefits from it, but we do. When we obey his law, we are doing ourselves the greatest benefit. Just as when we look after our health, we're not benefiting the doctor. On the contrary, we're depriving him of income. But when we look after our health, we are benefiting ourselves. And so this is what the Lord, Jesus, um, continues to do. What the prophets had done before, what John in particular had said, he now confirms, repent and believe the good news. And so he is walking along the Sea of Galilee. He saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net in the lake. And again, we notice the order, Simon first, Andrew second. And he says, follow me and I'll make you into fishers of men. And at once, we should not delay in obeying God. They left their nets and followed him. And further along, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Again, the order. It is not uh, at random, not mere coincidence, but this deliberation that the Holy Spirit himself is working in this. And he called them and leaving their father Zebedee in the boat, they went after him. For the Israelites, names were very important. The name was a sign, an indication of one's disposition, of sometimes of the work that God himself had for the individual. Simon means obedience. Andrew means manly. We, we have the, the English word anthropology, the study of man. Then we have James, which means supplanter or the struggler. And we have John, which means grace. So we begin with obedience and we end up with grace. We begin with obedience, which in itself implies a maturity. Because as we know from our own experience, as children we tend to be disobedient, but as we grow we become more and more obedient. Even though it has to be beaten into us, we become obedient. And then um, the struggle begins. And of course we, we also um, need to discipline ourselves. But it is necessary. There is no other way for doing it. But these four apostles, they're going to be very prominent in the life of our Lord, at least in the ministry of our Lord. They represent for us, and this is where we need to apply it to ourselves, the four most important um, moral virtues, the cardinal virtues, the hinge virtues, because on these four, the whole moral life depends. The first is prudence. The second is justice. The third, temperance. And the fourth, so a prudence, justice, temperance, and fortitude. Fortitude. Prud uh, if we start with prudence, 
Prudence is essentially knowing the purpose for which we are here. It means discerning the will of God for us, applying ourselves so that we do everything that will contribute to our salvation, which means essentially repentance and to believe what God has revealed. But in addition to this, we need, in applying this prudence, prudence implies obedience. Obedience means to listen and to put what we have heard into practice. So that means we need to grow in virtue, which is justice. It means giving to each person what is due to them. To God, certainly, what's due to him by divine worship. Worship him as he wants, not as we want. It implies giving to our neighbor what is due to them. And of course, it means applying to ourselves what is also due to us. So um, virt um, the, 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 the um, virtue of justice is important. And virtue comes from the Latin vir, which means a man, which is again where Andrew comes. Andrew means a man, to be manly. So a person who is a master of virtue is by its very nature manly. And then, and I should also mention that the, this manly is not the masculine, but the, 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 um, the, the, the species, the whole race, that we have been, we, we've been created, as we've been created by God. But to become manly to, it means we have to struggle. We have to struggle against our base um, inclinations, we have to struggle to achieve that which is good and noble and perfect. We don't give way and think, well, this is my condition, this is my nature, I'm a sinner, and so let's, let me indulge in sin. That's what pigs do. They like the mud and they will indulge in the mud. But we know, we, we, have, we are like angels. We are destined to be like the angels. And so we need to strive for that which is um, best for us. And then, of course, we recognize, and that's in fact where temperance comes in, that we modulate, we, we, we um, control our desires. And then lastly, the, we, we cannot do this on our own. We need God's grace. And God's grace means that we need the gift of fortitude. We persevere and God preserves us. And so in these four, in the calling of the four apostles, we see the Lord calling us. And even as he calls us, he offers us these virtues, these four cardinal virtues, so that we, as St. Paul says, might grow into the full stature of Christ. And in doing this, we certainly will believe all that God has revealed, and we will repent, and the Spirit will live in us, and we will, in fact, be um, citizens of the kingdom of God which is so close at hand. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.